Welcome to The Vow, Voice of Women. Our mission has always been about empowering women through the sharing of real life stories. When women create a community through the journey of sharing, we gain empathy, forgiveness, and perspective. We encourage you to open your heart to receive today's story. here with Lisa Webb. Hello, Lisa. Hi. (laughs) So uh, Lisa and I um, really met for the first time at uh, Wine, Women and Wellbeing that was at Hotel Arts. Was that a month and a half ago? Um, Two months? About two months ago, I guess now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And um, I fell in love with Lisa and her smile. I mean, yes, she's absolutely beautiful, which helps. But Lisa is a true global citizen and having lived on four different continents, She spent a decade of her adult life rebuilding her community, networking and finding sisterhood all over the world. And when you meet Lisa, you you automatically feel like she is like a sister. And I never had a sister. And you just have this feeling about her. And from traveling all over the world, she has been chronicling her journey as a Canadian expat mom through books and blogging. She has uh, kids' books, which look fabulous. I've looked at them online. This was the driving force behind founding. This was the driving force behind founding the Wine, Women, and Wellbeing community for women to become empowered and inspired. I'm thrilled to have you here today, Lisa, in studio with me. You are visiting uh, to share your road to success. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Probably more excited than most people because I can be here. I do so many things now on Zoom. The fact that I'm in Calgary, I was like, oh no, we're going to do this in person. I'm here. So it's very exciting for me as well. Yeah, I laughed when we gave, we always give our our guests an option if they want to do it now through, you know, online Zencaster or in person. And Lisa was like, oh, hells no, I'm going to come into your studio. I absolutely come in. I love this girl. (laughs) So tell us about how you began your journey and where the idea of wine, women, and well-being came from? Okay, so I am originally from Thunder Bay. My husband is originally from New Brunswick. And if you remember the boom back in the 2000s, everyone was coming out to Calgary. So I came out to Calgary because my brother was here separately. My husband came out to Calgary. We didn't know each other. We met, we got married, and then I always say it's like two seconds later, he said to me, my company wants to transfer us overseas. And I had just finished my master's degree. I had just gotten a promotion. I was really like getting into my career. And that was not in my plan. I love to travel, but because I was a teacher, I traveled all summer. I never in my entire life thought about picking up and moving anywhere, ever. Um, I I was pretty content. I had built my roots pretty deep in Calgary. It became home for me. Um, But it was a really good opportunity and we couldn't pass it up. So I said, okay, I was like, let's try this. He said three years. His contract was three years. And I said, okay, three years and one day and we are going back to Calgary. And he said, okay. And then things just happened. Babies were born and I was able to stay home with my kids and we were traveling and we were seeing the world with them. And I just thought, I can do this a little bit longer. I, and I kept saying, I could do this a little bit longer. I could do this a little bit longer until both of us were like, Okay, that's good. I mean, two years in the Congo will do that to you. (laughs) Two years of living places where, you know, the electricity shorts and sometimes you go for eight hours without any running water. And when you have babies and you're in the middle of cooking chicken and the water goes out, like that gets old real quick. And I'm thinking, like, 
life in Calgary seems like so magical all of a sudden. It's like another world. And so we decided at that time, it had been 10 years of living overseas. We had a lot of experiences. Our kids had a lot of experiences. Um, we've learned a lot of life lessons along the way. But we felt like we wanted our kids to figure out what it was like to be Canadian. They knew what it was like living in Europe and Asia and Africa, but they had no idea what it was like living in Canada. And they were in grade school at that time and they had been born overseas. And so we thought, okay, let's come home. And when we came home back to Calgary, we, I had this, I, I would say that my biggest takeaway during all of those moves, because every two, three years we were moving. And my biggest takeaway was the power of community. Because I found that when we landed in a place that had no ready formed community, I found that really difficult because I didn't know where to make friends, especially when I didn't have kids yet. I didn't know where to look to make friends because in Paris, people moved all the time. No one, everyone was traveling in Paris. If you don't have kids in school, it's really, it was hard to find people who lived there. But then sometimes we were living in places where there was women's communities that already had organized events. And I found that I could throw myself into that, into those communities and situations. And then I was okay. I only needed one or two friends and I knew that others would come and once I found community I knew that I was okay even if I was like literally living in the Congolese jungle if I had women I was okay and then when you're okay your kids are okay and your husband's okay and, and it really does have a ripple effect because if you're not happy that can be hard on your marriage you show up differently when you're parenting and if you take care of yourself and you're you feel your own cup, bucket, you, you fill yourself first, that ripples into how you parent, into how you show up in your relationships and your friendships and your job. And so for me, that was a game changer. And I came back to Calgary and I thought, I wonder if I could build something like that here. And so I tried, I tried with one event. It was at a little coffee shop in Marta Loop that closed down in the evenings and I just decided to go for it. And even now, when I think back on that, on how far we've come, and I just thought like, wow, that was really brave of me to try that. And I'm, I'm proud of myself when I think of it now because it would have been so easy to just say like, I'm not doing that because maybe no one's gonna show up mm -hmm. and then that's gonna be embarrassing. So it's easier just to not put myself out there. And that was a big lesson for me when I look back and sometimes we have to wait for the lessons, right? Because I think, imagine if I didn't do it, like my whole life would be different. Oh my gosh. Was that at Kappa Cafe? No, it okay. was at Nosh by Nova. They had the yoga oh, studio. Oh, yes, on the, 14th Street. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. Oh, that's a cute little place. So yeah. that was the very first, like, wine, women, and well-being. Absolutely, yes. Wow. And now at your event that you had at Hotel Arts, like, uh, there must have been a couple hundred women there. Yeah, or there was, more. Like, there was um, 250 women. And then just last month, we had the Manifest Tour, the TELUS Convention Center. We had over 700 women wow. there. Um, so we've, we've really grown, and I've got up on stage at the TELUS Convention Center in June and I said like we have come a long way from the coffee house that holds 35 people maximum capacity and here we are over 700 women. Wow that gives me shivers like that's something to to really be proud of and because you're fostering womanship and fellowship I call it womanship with yes. with all of these women and you're creating community so what similarities would you say that you would see with building community in the Congolese jungle versus Calgary? Um, 
one thing that I learned from all of my travels is that we really are more similar than we are different. And my friends, when I lived overseas, were from all over the world, I, like basically everywhere but Canada. And so I became friends with women who normally I wouldn't have anything in common with, or I would assume that I had nothing in common with because maybe their first language was different than me. Maybe they wore a hijab. Maybe they didn't drink alcohol. Maybe they just came from a completely different culture than I did. And I thought, well, I'm probably not gonna have anything in common with her. But when you put yourself in these situations and give opportunity to create friendship and build relationship with people who are different than you, you find out, well, you know what? Everyone, and as a mom, for example, we all worry about our kids. We want what's best for our kids. We all feel like we're screwing up and we're not maybe, we're not doing enough for them. Or we all have struggles with our romantic relationships and our partners and our jobs. There are a lot of commonalities no matter where we are. Just being women, the, the process of being pregnant and, and having a baby or not being able to get pregnant or wanting to get pregnant and or someone doesn't want to get pregnant. These things that are underlying um, pillars or as challenges, maybe you'd say, that we go through as women, globally, women all experience that, oh, no matter yeah. what language it's happening in. I know, I, yeah, I even think, you know, self-doubt self and fear, like, I'm as I'm listening to you speak, I, I'm thinking, wow, you know, that little coffee shop, you probably had a lot of self-doubt that anyone would show up, and then you take it to hotel arts, and you have probably self-doubt, like, in, in a pandemic, I mean, you were 100%. organizing this at the end. And I even like, you went from three days to one day because people couldn't take three days off right after we were ending a pandemic. There were financial barriers mm -hmm. to come into a three-day event. And so I think of the fear and self-doubt that you had with even putting that together. And then you go to the <laughs> TELUS Convention Center and the fear and self-doubt, that's not just you, that's every even women who showed up at that event and maybe came by themselves and thought, am I going to be liked? Am I going to meet someone that accepts me? Um, you know, and, and so I think that is, to your example, that is a universal issue that we 100%. as women have. Yes, absolutely. And to speak to the fear and self-doubt and the story that we tell ourselves in our mind and the imposter syndrome, oh, those were all very, very real. Um, and I know that because... I felt it myself, but I also know that the women I surround myself with who are doing really amazing things, they also have that all of the time still. And then you look at people who are in, doing incredible things in Canada. Like you look at Jillian Harris, who we look to as like, she's made it. She says, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I worry about whether or not people are going to want this or like me. Or, And so I, I feel like we need to recognize that we all have that. We all feel it. And when you start to know people on a more personal level and they open up to you and they say those things, you think, okay, well, this is normal. And if I'm feeling that, and that's a, a big reason why I always say to women online who are thinking about coming to our events, like this is a safe space. This was created for you to find a place where it's okay to come. And I know how you're feeling because I have walked into rooms full of women by myself all over the world and I felt it. Mm -hmm. And so this space was created to welcome you because we all feel that we go through those same emotions for sure. 
Do you think, Lisa, that there is a, there's been kind of, or it's maybe happening like an evolution of women supporting women? Like, and the reason I ask that is as a teenager, I grew up in a small community. I mean, I was bullied and by girls and boys. And I, I felt, I didn't really feel accepted in the world until probably later in my life. And, and now, you know, my perception, and maybe it's the people I surround myself with, but my perception is even like yourself or women that I met at the conference that there's this evolution or this trend, or I don't know what it is, of really women supporting women. So instead of women being, being catty and not supportive, so do you think that that is a trend or an evolution that we're kind of seeing? I hope so. I see it. I feel it. And as a mom of two young girls, I hope that that is the case and that it continues like you. I surround myself with people who are of like mind to me. And so, yes, if I feel someone is very negative and very down and, and you know, speaking poorly about another woman, I actually, I just won't participate in that mm-hmm. conversation and I remove myself from those situations. I don't surround myself with those kind of people, but I do find the energy you put out is the energy you get back. So if we are having an event and it is, and people now know that, okay, this is a place that I can go. Um, these leadership conferences are a place that are full of women who are supporting other women. Those are the women that you're drawing in. Those are the women that are coming. So this is who we choose to surround ourselves with. And I think that that's really important, but I do see it happening. Mm-hmm. And we have branches from Vancouver to Newfoundland. Um, actually, as of today, from Victoria to Yay! Newfoundland. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... There is a movement. It is happening. Mm-hmm. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in what I do every day. But I get to talk like, or get to speak with incredible women like that mm-hmm. every day who have that in their bones. So for me, it's who I surround myself with. I feel very grateful to be able to do it. But I feel it and I see it on a daily basis. Well, and I, I also have to say, it's not that I was ever skeptical of an all women's event, but I think when I first heard about the event, um, my mind goes to, you know, how the old Tony Robbins used to event events used to be like the hoorah, and, you know, and, and so when I went, I didn't actually know like, okay, what am I signing up for? Right. I want to be a sponsor. I want to support women. Um, but what am I signing up for? Is it like this hoorah, and I'm like, am I going to like it? I loved it. I walked away. I told so many people about it and Um, even, you know, as a sponsor and a, you know, I was able to say a few words about the vow. I felt, um, just embodied by the, the fellowship of the women in the room and all the speakers were phenomenal. I got something, a little nugget out of all of them. I mean, obviously having Melissa Gilbert there was uh, awesome, um, and, but the, the energy and the liveliness and listening to your story, um, it was just a really beautiful day. Yeah, I think you're not alone in that feeling because it was our first large scale event. It was our first leadership conference. People didn't really know what to expect because we hadn't done one before. And I feel like if, if we have like a few women who are regulars and they loyally from that coffee shop, they've been around and they thought, okay, this is a safe space for me. But when you go large scale like that, again, imposter syndrome, are people going to come? Are we going to be able to fill the room? Um, A lot of people didn't know what to expect. So people took a gamble on us and a leap of faith. But like you, the feedback that we got 
was incredible. And yes, it was the speakers. Yes, like the food was good. The venue was beautiful. But more what we heard over and over again was it was the feeling in the room. Mm -hmm. It was the energy. It was the connection. It was the fact that we had 250 people and half of them came by themselves and left with groups of friends. And the stories that I always hear about women who have connected, um, that touches my heart, I think, in more of a way than anything else. We just, we had a stampede event um, last week and someone came up to me and they said, Lisa, I need to tell you, you always talk about coming here to build community or coming here to make new friends, but you need to know that not only have I met business partners here, but I have met my very best friend in the whole world, my ride or die. Aww. I met her at a wine woman and well-being event. And like that gives me <laughs> chills just saying it because Aww. I was like, that, that is exactly what my hope was. It's bigger than my hope. Um, but that is like, there's nothing that makes me happier than hearing it. So it's one thing you can go, you can get expired, inspired, but people are going and they are meeting like real friends that are like their vacation friends. I've seen pictures of weddings where someone met, we actually all met at a, or somebody wrote online, we actually all met at Wine Women and Wellbeing. And it was this big group of girls and they had met there and they were close enough friends that they were at each other's wedding. And that just is so special for me. And so I feel like a big part of the Wild Conference was, yes, people took a gamble, but they felt so good leaving there and they were so inspired and uplifted that, to be honest, creating the Wild Conference was a lot of work because of a global pandemic. Um, as you now know, I'm back in France working remotely oh again, gosh. so I'm working on an eight-hour time change. It is really difficult. And leading up to Wild, like even I had flown back to Calgary, I was getting everything ready, and someone said, so is this going to be an annual thing? And I told them, okay, you are right now speaking to a woman in labor. I know. Um, like, hey, don't ask me yes, if I'm having I another baby. I am crowning yet. right now. Please do not ask me if I'm having another child. And it was 9.30 the morning of Wild. 9.30 a.m. Oh and I turned to Melissa Pasuto, who was sitting beside me, and I said, okay, so next year. <laughs> and she knew that I had all of these feelings, like, am I going to do this again? And I'm like, I can't not do it again. Yeah. Um, so it's... The first time is always unknown. It's like anything. Trying something new is always difficult and scary, and you have to be brave, and you have to believe in yourself. Um, that happens for everyone, and that was our first time, and it, it was just... It was a big success. So successful. So we're going to shift um, you know, some of the questions a little bit. I'm very curious to hear about life abroad, and you know, you, you've raised two daughters uh, being abroad. You're married. You're living abroad. So tell us what it was like living abroad, like first moving there, having to, um, you know, get to know a different culture, a different language. And you've, you know, you've been in Asia, you've been in the Congo, you've been in Europe. And so what have been some of the challenges as a woman going there and raising kids? Like I, I have this overwhelming feeling of when I put myself there with my family of loneliness, which mm -hmm. is maybe one of the big reasons why you've created this community of women but tell us about that journey. 100% loneliness was probably a huge um, part of why I created Wine Women and Wellbeing. Um, the, first, the first thing you think everyone says, the first move we ever made was to Paris. 
and everyone was like, wow. Um, I actually wrote a story in a book, and I said in that story, the best part about living in Paris is saying that you live in, in Paris. Paris. <laughs> because the reaction that people have is always like, so romantic. wow. They're just like, you can see it on their face. They're physically blown away. But after a year in Paris, my husband, and I was pregnant at the time, my husband had the opportunity to move to the south of France, which would be a little bit more like home in the sense that instead of being in an apartment, living downtown and riding the metro, we would have a house and a car and a driveway. Those are things you don't have when you live in Paris. And so we just thought, okay, with the baby on the way, let's try that. So then we moved to the south of France and we were there for about five years, I think. And that's where my kids were both born. And like I said earlier, it was hard to meet people in Paris. Um, it was also hard to meet people in the south of France because there was less, we weren't in the touristy spot. We were not like in Nice here. We were on the southwest side. The research center for my husband's office was there, so he was doing work out of there. It, it wasn't a touristy town. So that was a whole other experience because there was no English. So I had to, and I didn't speak French at that time. I learned as I went, um, but then once I had a new baby, try going to French classes and not sleeping and learning another language. And it was very isolating wow. and very lonely. I did make friends, and those friends were my buoy in that time. They lifted me up. They saved me. But also just... Being a new mom is hard enough. Being a new mom without your family around is hard. Being a new mom with none of your friends who know you is hard. And then navigating, my, my daughter was sick and she ended up in the hospital. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And just different scenarios I would find myself in. And then as my kids got older and started going to school, they start school very young in France. Instead of preschool, you're in regular school. So at three, kids are in school. And as a teacher and an educator and an administrator, that was my jam. That's where I was supposed to shine. And I just kept getting it wrong because of cultural things that I didn't know about. Um, it would be like if someone came to Canada and they were new, maybe they were a teacher in their own country, but they didn't know that here in Canada, when it's your child's birthday, you're allowed to bring in a treat. Or on um, Valentine's Day, all the kids do Valentine cards. There were things like that, like I was the mom who didn't know that Valentine cards were a thing. And so I would drop the ball and my kids would come home crying and then I would want to cry because I screwed up as a mom and I was like, I'm supposed to shine in the school department. I'm supposed to be like queen of the, the PTA. in education. Yes, I'm like, I can't even join the PTA because I can't talk to anyone. Um, like it was just, I was navigating these situations where I felt like I was just stumbling and stumbling and I had to find my way over and over again. And I had one of my best friends um, that I made there is from Florida and she came after me and her kids were in school and she's like, okay, it's snack day. I'm supposed to bring crepes. How do I do this? And I was like, okay, here's what you do. You get the crepes, you fold them into the triangle. I've made this mistake before. I've got you. So the friends that I made, like you become fast friends with the friends you do make because you need each other. You're, you're the family, the friends, the whole thing. So someone you might know for a week, well, that becomes your friend for a very long time. Um, that's like it feels like you've known each other for years and then we moved to Asia and I had to we were on a small Muslim island in a town called Balikpapan on the island of Borneo and for my daughter's field trips they would go to the orangutan sanctuary because that's a thing that you do couldn't go on that field trip because my husband was in the hospital with dengue fever Ooh. so these were like things that we navigated I was like oh I really wanted to go on that one but I have to be a good wife like <laughs> things like I never thought I would find myself in these situations or I would go to the grocery store and it would be 45 degrees outside and 
I would hop out of the car because I was at home and I was in a tank top and jean shorts and I need to go out and grab something. So I'd leave and I would get to the grocery store. I'd step outside and I would realize that my shoulders were covering and I had short shorts on or my shoulders were uncovered, sorry. And my shorts were short and everyone else is in a hijab and they are covered from their neck to their toes. And I would march right back into my car and drive back home because I was just, it would be the equivalent of showing up at Safeway naked. topless. Yeah, totally. No bra. Completely yeah. naked. Yeah. That's how, that was genuinely how I felt. So it was these situations that I just thought, I learned lessons that I didn't even know until I was out of those mm-hmm. situations. And I think that's, those were my biggest takeaways. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, yeah. Talk about not even like taking things for granted to your point. It's just not knowing. Yes. Right? I mean, we're as white Canadian girls, we're not used to those type of environments. So all of these little lessons. And I always think that like life gives you lessons. And I think from there, we, from Asia, we moved to the Congo and I remember Congo was hot. So in Indonesia, we were one degree off the equator in Congo. Congo, we were in the jungle, two degrees off the equator. It was like hotter than I've ever experienced. Yes, in my oh. entire life, like sweat dripping back down my oh. back. And I remember standing at the school gate and there was a woman there who was North African and she was fully covered. And I was looking at her and it wasn't judgment. I was just thinking she must be so <laughs> hot. She must be Because dying. I was just dripping in sweat. Like there was dew on the mountains. And I was just like, if I'm sweating in my spaghetti straps, like sundress, she must, she must be dying. so hot. And so then, ironically, like the world just gives you what you need to learn about. And my daughter became very best friends with her daughter. Wow. And then I would find myself at their house for lunch. And she would, it was like the Sex in the City movie, she would take off her hijab and she was wearing a spaghetti strap, a spaghetti strap tank top underneath her coverings and I just learned so much and those were the lessons that were like oh actually we do have a lot in common Mm -hmm. and if I wasn't given the opportunity to meet you and learn from you and have a conversation and have lunch with you I wouldn't know yeah you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know and sometimes in like here in Calgary we're not often given those opportunities Mm -hmm. but like I literally had to be plunked in the Congolese jungle to learn the life lessons that a Muslim Years woman, later, woman would, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, no, you are, every, everyone come. Everyone is welcome. We are so much more the same than we realize. Mm, I love that. Well, let's chat about your books that you've authored, your kids' books. So I went online and I took a look and they look really good. <laughs> so how were, were, was this bore out of, you know, just travel, being bored, like how did this, how did you wake up one morning and you're like, I need something to do. I'm going to author kids books. Exactly what you said. It was, it was born out of being bored basically. (laughs) Um, we were traveling a lot because we were living in Europe at that time and everywhere is so close. And we thought, we don't know how long we're going to be here for. We need to take advantage. We could be back in Calgary tomorrow and we'll think, Oh, we lived in Europe and we didn't even see anything. So we saw as much as we could. We strapped those babies to our backs. We got the double stroller. We just went for it. So my kids have now been over to six, been to over 60 countries wow. and they're eight and 10. And back then when I started writing those books, it was the teacher and me. We had just left Calgary. I was an assistant principal. I was an educator. I still kind of am in my, in a different way now. I like, I'll always have an educator inside of me. And so the teacher in me, and I spent a lot of years in elementary, I thought like, I'm not a scrapbooker. 
scrapbooker. I don't um, like I don't journal. I'm I'm not good at uploading pictures. Like maybe to like I'd make a Facebook album, but I wasn't printing off pictures and making these wonderful scrapbooks for my kids. And I thought this is such a waste. I want them to know about these places, mm-hmm. even if they don't remember it. It was like my version of making a scrapbook oh, for I my love kids. That. And so I wrote about two girls. So my daughters have very French names: Océane and Elodie. Mm-hmm. Um, in France, that's like Jennifer and Stephanie, basically. Oh, really? yeah. Océane and yeah. Elodie? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so pretty. So that's the girls in the book. And in the back of the book, I have... So Océane is spelled like O-C-E with an accent, A-N-E. So it looks like ocean. Like when we go to uh, yes. the eye doctor here, they call ocean. Um, and we're like, it's Océane. And then everyone goes, oh, that's very pretty. <laughs> um, so in the back of the books, I have like this is how it's pronounced. These girls speak because they do. My daughter's, their first language is French now. They speak French with their dad. They speak English with their mom. Their play language together is French. So when I'm driving the car, they're in the back of the car speaking French. Oh, I love that. Until I turn and speak in English, and then they'll speak back to me in English. Do you understand them? I do now. Yeah, I think that's probably how I learned my French, just from, it was like full submersion, but submersion, but in my own house. Mm. Um, so... I started writing these books. I didn't know what was this. So I wrote one, and then I wrote another one, and I just thought... Because there's like it, four or five or six there's of them. Six. There's yeah, six. There's six of a, them. There was a bunch of them. And I kind of just, like, I don't really do anything with them, and I don't advertise them. They just, they live on Amazon, and people buy them, and I think they've become a bit of a... Tra- oh, we're going to London? Let's grab this book on London, because it's the kids who travel the world. So they have a list of things that they need to find in London, and they go to Big Ben, and they ride on a red bus, and then... They go to Rome and they need to eat pasta and they need to see the Colosseum. So it's like they're educational. They happen to be about my own kids, but it's there's ones about all these different countries that we've visited. And it's just a nice souvenir now for my kids. And it was a pivot for me because I needed something to do. I needed a creative outlet. And again, that hindsight thing, I love that my kids have now seen me go from being a teacher to being an author. I was doing travel writing at one point. I was writing on the Huffington Post. I never wrote before we left Calgary. And then I, during that time overseas, I lived online because everything around me was in these different languages. So I was working as a writer. And then we came back to Calgary. I went back to teaching and I thought, oh, I don't know if that's a fit anymore, actually. And I started Wine Women and Wellbeing. And now they see me running a business. And I just think we teach our kids by doing Mm -hmm. and showing and I've done my best to show them that it's okay to try new things. It's okay to fail. We don't know if everything's going to be successful, um, but we can try. And we don't have to always stick to one thing. We can do many things and we can do hard things. It's so true. I, I think that, you know, you're raising these two daughters and you're raising them in an environment that they really, um, like, they're really going to grow up knowing what empowerment is. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the epitome of empowerment. and. I even laugh at my daughter sometimes. It's, you know, they're five and eight. But the other day, Ophelia said something to Ruby. Ophelia is my older one, and she's eight. And she said something like, well, she goes, she calls her Ruby. Like, Ruby, like she's in trouble all the time. <laughs> and she's like, well, Ruby, you know that mommy shows houses for a living. And so if she says she can't talk on the phone, she can't talk on the phone. <laughs> it's just like these little people, they just, they pick up so much from what you're doing the good and the bad yes absolutely i totally agree (laughs) mommy's in a meeting right now like and so i actually brought so they 
you know, you're in a Zoom call. We all lived through COVID. You know what it's like. They can see the screen, even if they're not supposed to be in the room. Sometimes they sneak in the room and they're peeking at the screen and then they'll like scoot out or they're like showing you like, can I have this granola yes. bar? And you give them the nod and then off they go. And so um, I work very closely with Laura and Lana of the sister brand in Edmonton. And they have seen those girls on Zoom almost on the daily for the last two years. And we just went to see them in Edmonton. And it was like... A like someone who lives in the computer has come to life and they, we all felt like we knew each other, but they were like, okay. So the, the meetings in real life now, it was like, oh yeah, the meetings in real life. So they just, they just learn by through osmosis. It's just That's what right. they know. Yeah. And, um, I, I feel pretty grateful to, to be showing them. Oh, well, I think that's what a beautiful keepsake, these books. Not many kids will have books of, of instead of having a baby book, they'll have like actual authored books, which I think <laughs> is pretty kick-ass. So, Lisa, what do you do during the days that you're not feeling empowered and inspired? Because I know it happens. You're human. And so when you get up in the morning um, in France and you have this big conference or you have fires to put out, you have to parent, maybe you got in a fight with your husband. I mean, he sounds amazing, but I know you still fight because you're human. Yeah, human. You know, um, how do you like how do you find that inspiration when you're not inspired? It goes back to the whole filling your own bucket. I check in on myself and I think, okay, am I sleeping? Like what, what is off with me first? Um, I find that I get unmotivated. Like for example, um, the nights like our stampede party, for example, you wake up the next morning, you are not your best self. If you have been <laughs> you out are the not really inspired. Yes. <laughs> I am uninspired to do anything. Um, I, those are the days when the self-doubt creeps. Who do I think I am? Like, what am I thinking? Like those, that's the story I tell myself on those days. So I try and make those days fewer and farther apart. Um, and not, I know that if I'm out too late or I drink too much and, and I wake up feeling horrible, I don't like that feeling. So I try not to do that as much because I know I'm not showing up as my best self the next day. Sure, it happens sometimes, absolutely. I don't wanna miss the whole Calgary Stampede, let's be honest, it's super fun. But if that was my regular practice, I couldn't show up in my life the way that I do. So I always check in on my sleep, I check in on my fitness, I check in on my nutrition, and usually something in there is off. If I'm feeling like I'm just, you know those days where you get a good night's sleep and you, go and have a run or whatever it is that you do. You do your yoga, whatever you do in the morning. And then you make this really like, you have a great smoothie or you're doing all the right things and you're checking the right boxes. Those usually are the days where you're like, you know what? I feel good. I'm going to do something. And you almost, you just show up better in your life. So when I'm having days that I'm uninspired, I give myself the day. I allow myself to not, don't beat myself up about it. It's okay. Today's not my day. Maybe I'm just going to like take everything off my plate, not look at the email today or just allow myself a day if I need it. Or maybe sometimes it's just a morning because sometimes if I, you know, go and buy a whole bunch of fruit, I always feel better when my fridge is in, in oh, check. Oh, so true. You know, you come I back from that. vacation and your fridge is empty and you're like, oh, I just 
I've been eating, usually after a vacation, you're eating out a lot. Yes. You're, you're not on your regular routine. You crave the crispiness of grapes yes. and celery in your 100%. fridge. hundred percent. So I always feel like, okay, I just got to get the fridge in order. If I like have <laughs> grapes washed, for example, and in a container and carrots, there are things that I can grab. I, that makes me happy. Yeah. I love that. And when I open the fridge and there's nothing there, then I think like, ugh. And I just eat something that I don't want to be eating. So and it's just a vicious cycle. So I just try and get my sleep in order, my nutrition, my fitness. Maybe I, if I'm going, even if I don't feel like running, maybe I'll go for a walk. And I will put some kind of like positive mindset audiobook in my ears. Like, what am I feeding my brain? What am I feeding my body? And that is usually very helpful for me. Well, I think that that would get most people inspired. And I think that that's a really great tip. And there are days, I mean, well, the other night I just said to, I was talking to my husband or one of my girlfriends and I was like, yeah, so I ate my pantry last night. Oh, it was my husband. And he's like, what do you mean you ate the pantry? And we were on our way to sushi with the girls last night. And I'm like, well, I couldn't sleep, which is rare because I'm a really good sleeper. I got up. I think I downloaded, well, I did download The Bachelorette. And I sat there and I had chips. I had cheese, crackers, pickles, fruit juice. And, oh, I think I had a haagen bar too. I didn't tell my husband that. But I literally <laughs> ate the pantry and yeah. then I couldn't sleep because I just, and I felt and I felt like crap the next morning. But when I go to bed at like 10.30, on like hadn't eaten since 6.30, and I get a good sleep and I'm hydrated, I wake up, my feet hit that ground, and I'm ready to pound pavement. Yes. It's so true. That's why I like water, diet, sleep, fitness. It makes a huge difference. It makes such a huge difference. I agree. So what advice would you give to young girls who struggle with confidence? And did you struggle with confidence? Because you are a very beautiful and confident woman. And so was there a point in your teen life or even a young adult life that you struggled? Or have you always been fairly confident? No, I think I was a super, super awkward teenager. Okay. Like, I wanted to be a cheerleader, but I was a Ukrainian dancer instead. Okay. Like, I was like, I can't try out for the cheerleading team. I'm just going to put on this big frumpy Ukrainian dance outfit instead, and I'm going to do that for 22 years. Um, and and maybe in its own way, that probably gave me confidence in that I got used to, like, being on a stage and performing. Um, and not in the cheerleader way that I wanted yes. to. Um, but, <laughs> same, same, but different. Yeah, but I didn't, like, so that means that I didn't hang out with the cheerleaders. I didn't, like, I felt okay but I always like, you know, felt a little nerdy inside and maybe that's just part of being an adolescent. I definitely was not the most popular girl in school. I I think I struggled. I don't think I came into my own until I was almost like on my way out of university maybe. Um, and again, as a mom of two girls, I try and tell them what I tell myself. The story you tell yourself in your head is how you're gonna show up. And when we moved, so we just last summer moved back to France on a, like not a forever contract, on a short-term contract. Um, but school, again, my kids haven't been in school there in a while and it's very different. And so now they have to memorize these page long poems. And this is in grades three and five, a full page. I remember I had to do that once. I had to memorize Flanders Fields in grade six and say it. To this day, I still know it because that's the only thing that I've had to like memorize and present. My kids have to do that every other week. 
And it is hard because it is a lot that they're memorizing. And the first time my daughter did it, she was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. She was so full of anxiety. I, was, I said to my husband, I'm, you're going to write a note in French. I'm going to go talk to the teacher. She doesn't have to do this because we also weren't prepared for it mm -hmm. because I was like navigating my way through school in French for the kids again. And now they're older. And I was like, there's no way you, you have to go up and you have to read it, right? And she was like, no, we're not allowed to have a paper. And so I didn't, I always thought, I was like, just practice it. Cause I thought she got to have her paper. And I didn't realize until like the night before that she didn't have a paper and she had to memorize it. She was crying again, I was crying, everyone was crying. And I said, she's, I'm gonna tell her she doesn't have to do it. And so my husband's like, okay, private team meeting, private conversation, what are we teaching her here? To bail? And I was like, oh my God, okay, so we're gonna stay up a little bit later tonight. We're gonna, we've got this. And we talked about like, positive mindset, self-talk. And I was like, if you go and you tell yourself that you can't do it, you're probably not gonna be able to do it. But you're just gonna go, and we're gonna practice, 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 and then you're gonna do the very best you can. And before you get up there, you're gonna tell yourself in your head, no one has to know you're saying it, but you're gonna tell yourself, I can do this, I practice this, this is like, this is my shot. This is the one time that I have to do everything that I practice for is for this time. And I said, just tell yourself that, I got this. I am smart and I know how to do my French is so good because and then she laughs because my French is really not good and hers is amazing. And I said, imagine if I had to go up there and do it. And I said, your French is so much better than mine. So thank goodness it's you and it's not me. And it's just, it's the story we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I teach my girls how to talk to themselves, positive mindset and really believing in yourself mm -hmm. because you have to cheer for yourself first. You do. You have to be, you are your biggest advocate. Absolutely. Well, I think that's great advice because I think a lot of, not even just young girls, women in general struggle with uh, confidence, self-doubt. And I even think of myself, you know, if I go into a listing presentation with a client and I'm like, oh, well, you know, what if they don't like me or what if they don't choose me or this is a really hard home to evaluate. That's the self-talk that I have going into it instead of saying, I've got this. These are just two people that I'm sitting down in, with in a really beautiful home. They're going to love me. I, I know my data. I know what I do. It's a totally different mindset walking in. And you show up differently. Your totally. energy is different. Yes. Your vibe is different that you're putting on. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. As women, what do you think maybe one or two of our biggest challenges are in chasing after our goals and dreams? Confidence. Yes. I think confidence and fear are two big things. We think that, well, no, that's not me. That's, but why not me? Like, why not you? What I'm a big believer in, you don't need to see the whole staircase take the first step. And I think a lot of people stop before they start. And you might have an idea and you think, oh, well, that's too hard. Oh, I don't know how to do it. And the unknown, there's a big fear in the unknown. And I feel like, if we get over the fear of not knowing the end game, it can be a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And to believe in ourselves that we will figure it out. And if we don't know the answer right now, we will find the answer. We just, again, it comes back to being your own cheerleader, to mm -hmm. believing in yourself. And finding, finding the people to surround yourself with that can lift you up. Like I think of all the women that were uh, at the, that day, like I could tell that you had your tribe you were, yes, this was your, your vision, this was your kind of baby, but you had all these beautiful women behind you to support you, to lift you up, and without them, 
Oh. That would not have been possible because oh, you're only that one it. person, 100%, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's who you surround yourself with, the stories that they're telling you. What mm-hmm. if if they're telling you that's oh, probably a horrible idea? But you don't want just people to be like, yes, yes, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. But you just need people who believe in you yes. and who see things that and are there to help mm-hmm. you along the way. And, and they were wonderful you. women. I, the women there that you had behind you, they I even felt supported and loved from them. So they <laughs> they're awesome. Lisa, what keeps you up at night? Oh, I think like a lot of moms, I worry about my kids. I worry about if I'm doing a good job in the dynamics of my family. I think that part of me, I'm giving my kids the most incredible gift that you could ever give a human to see and know the world and global cultures. I think that is something that is a gift that a lot of adults don't have, and my kids have had it from birth. But then on the other side of that, I think, am I screwing them up? They don't have roots. They're, they don't know where home is. We come to Calgary and we're sleeping in my parents' basement because we sold our house. Like, I just, like, there's two sides to everything, and it's, it's what you focus on, and grass is greenest where you water it. So if I want to water that negative story, that's the story that's going to grow, and I just have to choose to water um, the sea and it, it's it's practice mm-hmm. because it's not always easy that's not always the mindset that I'm in because I do that sometimes I'm going to bed going what have I done I've moved my kids again I can't believe I did this I said I wasn't going to do this again and then I see them have this most incredible experience and the fact that they have this beautiful Parisian French that is their first language mm-hmm. and I think okay they're going to be okay there I think Lisa I don't think you have to worry about them <laughs> I think that they're going to be just fine what have you vowed to yourself in life Oh, that is a good one. Um, to kind of keep showing up for me. And that might sound selfish. Mm-hmm. And it might sound... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a girl. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a safe space here. I think that I have... Um, and that, that's also learned because the first time I left, I was like, oh, I'll just follow my husband and I'll just move and quit my career and leave my friends. And that was 13, year, 13 years ago, Lisa. And this Lisa who just moved back to France... Um, she had a very serious conversation with her husband when that decision was made. And that was, okay, how can we make this work for both of us? And so now it's, it's that I get to be an international businesswoman and I do business across Canada and I live in a place that people get to go on vacation. And are there hard parts? There's absolutely hard parts, but I wasn't, I knew for a fact that I could not leave it behind. And I knew for a fact that it was in my family's best interest um, to spend a few more years in France for this position that my husband is in. And so I thought, okay, how can we make this work? I'm going to keep showing up for myself. I need to show up for my family, but I also need to make this work for me. Mm-hmm. And if that means that I'm on a plane more than most people are on a plane, then that's okay. I like to travel, but I'm going to keep showing up for me so that I can be an example for my daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I think that you have to be happy with who you are, how you show up in the world, so you can be there for others. We always like to spotlight a charity of choice. Um, Is there a charity that is near and dear to your heart? Um, I always will go back to Mamas for Mamas. Um, They were the charity of choice for us um, at our WILD conference in Calgary. And a few years ago, I podcast with Shannon Christensen, who was the founder of Mamas for Mamas. And I just felt akin to her. We were like kindred spirits. 
And then I went to Kelowna not long after that. And I said, hey, do you want to get together in real life? And I sat down with her. And within five minutes, I felt like I had been friends with her my whole life. And I, and we kind of had this conversation because she helps moms across Canada. And we help women across Canada. And we said, where can we link up? Like if we have women's communities in Newfoundland and you have women's communities in Newfoundland, let's see how we can help each other. And it doesn't have to be a monetary thing. It can be like we're holding women's events in Newfoundland and the Mamas for Mamas team in Newfoundland, they need volunteers, they need diapers. If we can like help each other on social media and let people know that they're doing a call out for canned goods at Mamas for Mamas in Newfoundland and we can help. And so we've really kind of grown a beautiful friendship with Mm -hmm. them and we've connected all of our branch directors across Canada to be in touch with their Mamas for Mamas branches across Canada. And we've really built a beautiful sisterhood with them. So they are always my charity of choice. And then Moana Villages in the Congo is who we gave back to um, for our manifest tour because I've spent time in that orphanage and it was started by a girl in Montreal. And um, I've, I've seen the things that happen there and it's things that we can't even really wrap our minds around in Canada. And so I always also try and support them when I can. Oh, well, Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. I'm honored that I get to see you in studio and not in the south of France on a Zoom call, but that would be pretty cool too, maybe. Uh, but in the flesh is always my preference. And um, just thank you for being here and sharing your story and sharing um, your, your you know, story about wine, women and well-being and your, your journey as a mom overseas and how you empower women and how you bring women together in community. And uh, you're doing a great job, girl. So, and I, I have a gut feeling that your journey in that is just beginning, and I can't wait to see what you do. Thank you so much, and I am honored to be here. So, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. We hope that this episode has inspired you. If you want more information on The Vow, visit our website at voiceofwomen.ca. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us spread the stories.